Howdy. Welcome to the Managing Expectations podcast. I'm Jeff Winger, your host. With me, as always, is the aide-de-camp, Brian Grimm. Howdy, Brian. Howdy, Jeff. It's so good to be here. Uh, you know what? I'd rather be here with you than a lot of places. That's it. Yep. You know, if, if you wanted to know. Uh, so I, um, I found a really interesting thing in the Esquire Guide Ooh. to Modern Etiquette. And I was going to uh, share a bit of this with our audience. Uh, under radio and television, it, it talks about, uh, it says, in the ever-broadening field of communications, increasing emphasis continues to be placed on interview, panel, and other so-called, quote, talk shows. At one time, few outsiders ever penetrated the world of golden-throated announcers, but today, people in all walks of business, and indeed, indeed all walks of life, are thrust before the camera and microphone. You may be called upon to join a citizen. Oh, I'm sorry, are you reading along in your own copy? Uh, I'm on page 287. If you'd like Ooh. to turn with, if you'd like to turn with me in your hymnal. <laughs> That's a deep cut. <laughs> <laughs> uh, quit. Um, you may be called upon to join a citizen's discussion group uh, evaluating new city projects or to explain the various aspects of your job in a feature program devoted to career opportunities. So then it goes on and on. Of course, this was uh, written um, long before the podcast, but on page 288 under the subheading, Don't Panic. I think this is something that we could really use to make the Managing Expectations podcast better. The easiest way to overcome mic or stage fright is to know your subject thoroughly. After the first deep swallow or two, words will come naturally and with ease because you know what you're talking about. You are the expert or you wouldn't be there. Don't be alarmed if everyone seems to be moving about with efficient nonchalance and you're falling all over the studio. That's their job, and they're expected to know what to do. If there's a studio audience, ignore it. Try to ignore the listening audience, too. Talk with the interviewer or MC, as you might talk with him in your home. Today's sophisticated and complex electronic equipment can pick up even the faintest whisper, so speak in normal conversational tones at all times. Don't stumble into that common pitfall of thinking of thinking a few drinks before the show will put you at ease. If you're half lit, you may be able to disguise it on radio, but only sound like an idiot. But on television, the whole viewing audience will know. That is great advice. It's pretty good advice, isn't it? This really is a guidebook. <laughs> it's a guidebook for modern living. Uh, I noticed I, I was listening to our last uh, episode, and I don't really believe that modern um, modern electronic equipment is picking up the faintest whispers of me. I'm talking, and I can barely be heard. You come across though like a, like a sonorous dynamo. Wow, well, I'm working on that. So glad <laughs> that it's really coming through. So on your goals, you have a list of goals, and mm -hmm. um, one of them is sonorous dynamism. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, it's one of my manifestations. <laughs> yeah, the, re the reason why I come across so, so well on the recordings is because I follow the best advice that I received about speaking into a microphone. Hold it like an ice cream cone. <laughs> such great advice it sure is um uh though in my case 
that would mean uh, devouring it in about 30 <laughs> seconds. Okay, so you wanted to talk about the trouble with streaming. In yeah. space, no one can hear you stream. <laughs> Islands in the stream, that is what we are. Is that Kenny Loggins or Kenny Rogers? It, Islands in the Stream was Kenny Rogers and Dolly Parton. I think Dolly Parton may have written it. Obviously, Islands in the Stream was uh, uh, one of Hemingway's last books, uh, and they um, they stole it. But yeah, it was a big hit in like '84. Yeah. It was in '84 because I was living in an apartment. My roommate Travis had was a, is a swell fellow. Uh, but he um, had incredibly mundane taste in music. So <clears throat> he loved that kind of stuff. And he loved Lionel Richie. He helped make Lionel Richie a millionaire many times over. <laughs> so that's on you, Travis Abbott. You got to live. Oh, oh, what a feeling. When you're dancing on the ceiling. Say you, say me. <laughs> that's the um, way it should be. Yeah, so what's the deal? With, I haven't heard the thing about Christopher Nolan. What's going on? So he, he had an interesting quote about, uh, about uh, the streaming services. Uh, he has had a really close relationship with Warner Brothers. Um, and I think that they've, they've either released all of them or, or like most of them of, of his films. Uh does Warner, are Warner and HBO owned by the same conglomerate now? Well, I think, I think that they are. Okay. Okay. Go ahead. All right. I'm sorry. So, so uh, almost uh, probably all of Nolan's films are Warner brother releases. Correct. Okay. Um, but then he said that uh, he doesn't like the HBO max streaming service. And he says, you've got, the, the top filmmakers today with this uh, close relationship with one of the best, with the best studio in the market. Um, and uh, he says that all of these great filmmakers went to bed with the best partner they could. And then they woke up in the morning, and then they woke up the next morning with the worst streaming service out there. Ouch. Yeah. So, so his problem is it doesn't seem, isn't with uh, Warner Brothers, it's with uh, HBO Max? Yeah. Okay. And I, I've tried, I did a little bit of research to find out why, and I, I don't know. I, I, it probably has something to do with release dates. It probably has always comes down to money in one way or another, um, but he's not happy about it. And so people are wondering uh, if that relationship between he, him and Warner Brothers is fractured. Uh, there's been several quotes from people at Netflix that are trying to get him to sign on and which a guy who really likes people to see his movies on a big screen and not on a small screen. Um, that seems like a strange partnership to go with Netflix, but Netflix signed a deal with Martin Scorsese to release like seven films of his. Uh, they just did a, a big deal with Steven Spielberg as well. Guys who are known for pretty big silver screen movies so i'm sorry who did who did spielberg sign with netflix did he really mm -hmm. so doesn't that suggest that's the the greatest baby boom directors i mean i mean scorsese and spielberg um came up together although they made very different movies um mm -hmm. Because I was I was just listening to a podcast. I mean, the guys that you you heard about in the seventies were um, uh, Spielberg and Scorsese, George Lucas, who was viewed as an innovator, um, even if <laughs> well, I, I mean, that's by people who want to forgive the Phantom Menace. I'm not one of those people. I, I find the Phantom Menace unforgivable, and therefore I will not forgive it. Um, uh, uh, Francis Ford Coppola, 
uh, and and uh, to a lesser degree Brian De Palma. The 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 podcast that I was listening to is uh, a Turner Classic Movies um, video or a podcast about, and it's about the making of the movie The Bonfire of the Vanities, which I've never seen. I don't know anyone who's seen it. Uh, and I'm only a little bit interested because of the Tom Wolf angle. You and I are both Tom Wolf fans, though I've never read Bonfire of the Vanities. Have you? Oh, really? Mm -hmm. Have you? I have. Did you really? Yes, Tom Wolf. All right, we'll come back around to it. We'll come back around yeah. to it. So Warner Brothers Entertainment is an American diversified multinational mass media and entertainment conglomerate. Really, Ooh. hang on. You know what? This is really reading like the managing expectations Wikipedia page. <laughs> it is. Uh, da, 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 how it started. I just, I don't know. Uh, it started, you know, by the Warner Brothers. Old Jack Warner. So I think the owner currently is AT&T, but wasn't that the thing that just happened where like they, didn't they dump it? Didn't AT&T dump it or did, something just happened, right? Didn't AT&T either just buy something or um, sell, sell something? something. <laughs> uh, you. All right. Yeah. yeah. All right. So anyway, so well, this just goes to show that we are ahead. We're ahead of Wikipedia, even if we're behind everybody else. So, um, all right. So the older guys, the boomers, are are willing to settle for the small screen, and make movies accordingly, and that would suggest what they think about the theater business. Mm -hmm. Christopher Nolan is one of some other younger guys who who aren't behind that. They want to see their movies on the big screen. Yeah, um, he 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 puts a lot of effort into you know he'll he won't or he'll film uh, on the big. He'll use IMAX cameras uh, for several of the, the the more grand scenes in his movies. Um, I saw Dunkirk at the at the Continental on the biggest screen that they have there. And it was, it was awesome. It was, it was really something else. I'm sure that's true. I'm sure that's true. I waited until Dunkirk was available and I bought it on, um, I bought it on iTunes and I watched it on my, whatever, my, my television in my living room, which is bigger than I ever would have dreamed of, but is still somewhat smaller than that of the, most prestigious movie house in the entire Denver area. <laughs> and uh, he, um, he delayed, he delayed Tenet uh, because of COVID because he wanted people to see it in the theater. Cause that's, that, that's the way he intended it. Um, so he struggles with that. Okay. So it looks like HBO is owned by Warner and Warner was owned by AT&T, is owned by AT&T. Unless it's not, and then it's owned by some other gigantic, soulless, multinational conglomerate. Well, because, because, you know, you listen to Scott Galloway and some other people and they're always talking about how guys in whatever in, in in telecom think that they can be moguls right mm -hmm. even though there's actually less there's less money in it i mean as rich as steven spielberg is he's less rich than the guy who owns the studio who distributes his movies yeah right but there's just there's just something about the glamour of it all just just something about sexy bling Believe in miracles, you sexy bling. <laughs> um, but the another thing that I wanted to that is related to this is Scarlett Johansson's lawsuit against Disney, uh, which <laughs> which 
look, I'm sure that Ms. Johansson can afford some pretty fancy lawyers, but that may, that seems to be an uphill battle. You know, uh, I'm not afraid of anyone or anything, but I don't want a piece of Disney. No, <laughs> no, no. I'm not going to step to Disney. No. So she, you know, Black Widow was released, but it was released. Not um, that anyone would know. Not, yeah, it was released in theaters and it was released on Disney Plus at the same time. However, not on regular Disney Plus. You had to sign up for the premiere pass on Disney Plus. Which is like 30 bucks. Which is $30. So if you've got a family and if you, or you, like if you have a big family, it divides out okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I suppose, well, I don't know. Uh, I think I've told you that the last movie I saw was Ford versus Ferrari. Mrs. Winger went and saw one more right before the, the pandemic lockdown. Um, but what's it cost to go to a movie? I mean, isn't it like 12, 15 bucks? Oh yeah, it's, it's probably. Okay, prob- so if, yeah. you, if you thought Black Widow was worth it, um, yeah. $30 is in the end of the world it's just you got to like train the american public to pay for pay extra for something that they've been literally sitting on their butts getting for whatever 6.99 a month Mm -hmm. yeah uh okay so well well so what conclusions are you drawing from these so well so the basis of her lawsuit is this is that a lot of a lot of actors and actresses will sign a contract to say they'll they'll say yeah i'll make this i'll star in this movie for 15 20 million dollars but i also want a part of the back end you know five percent or one percent of the ticket sales i've made many deals wanting a part of the back end right yeah that's 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 where you get generational wealth yeah i'm sorry what did you say (laughs) that's where you get generational wealth Okay. Okay. Right. Um, and so she says, so I signed this, this deal, uh, but here uh, there isn't the, the ticket sales are virtually none. Right. But instead the, uh, uh, the, the bonuses of the big wigs at CE at, of the bonuses of the big wigs at Disney is tied to their, uh, streaming su- subscribers so so they saw a huge bump when black widow came out for people signing up their stock price goes up because it's like well look how many subscribers we have to our premiere pass and so uh, miss johansson her complaint is, is that that money should have gone to me and not to you do you mean to say that the system is arranged in such a manner that the executives get a huge payday, even if the working stiff brace yourselves comes out, comes out <laughs> on, on the short end of the stick. I don't know. I'm I'm still kind of whiteboarding this thing out, but it's looking that way. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I'm I'm sorry that we're not a video show because Brian's whiteboard uh, looks like he's after the Zodiac killer. It all points to Bob Iger. <laughs> um, and uh, the, the, the statement from Disney's lawyers just came out recently and it was like, this lawsuit is baseless and frivolous and we are appalled that Ms. Johansson would try to capitalize on the pandemic. <laughs> for her own benefit i'm like okay the cheek the cheek of this woman the temerity outrageous yeah yeah you know they're just trying to get the public a little a little something to take their mind off their daily woes for 30 bucks a pop that's it Yeah. yeah so so media is changing uh, the way that people consume media has been changing very rapidly. Um, will movie theaters go away? Probably not. Um, but, but don't you have to, 
Uh, I, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I interrupted. Yeah. Go ahead. I don't think that movie theaters will go away, but I think that you will see smaller theaters with only a handful of screens showing, uh, you know, offering a different experience to, to, to movie watchers rather than being at home. But I think that like the 24 screen multiplex is probably going to go away. Really? I do. Yeah. I think that, that the people that want to experience the theater ex or experience it in a theater, um, it's just going to be a smaller and smaller crowd. So that would be bad news for Christopher Nolan and his IMAX cameras. Um, yeah, but the, unless you can say, you know what, we'll just raise ticket prices. It's, it, it's 20 bucks a pop now to, to see to see my masterpiece in the way that I intended it. And I, and, and I think that there will be some people that will pay it. Yeah, but if you make it like an elite thing, like going to the symphony, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I look, Hollywood hadn't been making a fortune on me. I, I mean, essentially my adult life. I mean, the joke with Mrs. Winger and I for years was we go to one movie a year. Um, so like she would, she would like joke with me about, okay, do you want that to be your one movie this year? You know? And then, and then we, we kind of started, I don't know. It kind of started to be worth it, you know, to get out of the house. And I, I look, I don't mind <laughs> splurging for a 55 gallon drum of popcorn and, you know, a, you know, a pickle bucket full of Coke, uh, for like $150 or however much a trip to the concession stand costs. Um, you know, it's all part of the, it, it's, you know, it's part of the deal. And I know that that's how they make money. And like, I don't know, I, I, the theaters that I go to, I mean, I'm sure have some sort of corporate ownership, but they don't seem to be as huge. You know, I mean, there is Alamo draft house is big here. Is it, do you have it in Denver? So it's a, yeah. they're out of Austin. Yeah, and they, they recently filed for bankruptcy protection. Right, right. So what I could see is corporate consolidation. Everybody, I mean, we knew a woman, in, we were friends with a woman in Kansas City. Her uncle owned a theater and he would get second run. So like the movies that like left the main, the big theaters three months ago, he would get them and it was like $3 to mm -hmm. go. And like this is an unbelievable story um something happened like the the power was out in our neighborhood and it was so hot and Julina and I were both working on volunteering some time on this construction project it was a um, a, a building project and like we were like borderline and, and especially Julene who of course works a lot harder than I do was uh like a borderline heat stroke case. So we decide we're going to go to the movies and soak up some of that luxurious air conditioning because the, the power was out at the house. Mm -hmm. So we went and don't you know that they were having air conditioner problems too. And instead of just being, you know, a man about it and saying, that's it, baby, we're out of here. We're going to the multiplex. I'm like, well, it's still cooler than the house. And she almost died. She didn't almost die, but she was really uncomfortable. And it, was a, it wasn't a fun night. Anyway, I digress. Anyway, that friend's uncle is going to go out of business if he hasn't already. Yeah. It's, it's, not, it's no longer sustainable. So wouldn't there be a period of corporate consolidation? And so you have a thing like, well, uh, uh, Home Depot and Lowe's. And and um, uh, what's uh, Staples and Office Depot, mm -hmm. right? I mean, there's there's room in the country for two huge corporations, and then there's like a quirky little thing. Yeah, yeah. There's there's then there's Ace. Then there's Ace, 
where they carry most of the same stuff as Home Depot and Lowe's, but there are some things that you know that that Ace carries that that they don't. It's and it and you're going to pay like three times as much for it as okay. as, uh, as you really should. But um, that's just is, that's just how it is. Okay, and isn't there a sense too that it's easier to get somebody to talk to at Ace, a knowledgeable guy, or do they do they are they uh, hiring? Oh, I, I think that I I think that misanthropes who don't care. I mean, they they lost their job as a barista, and so now they're at Ace. Uh, I think, in my experience, that yeah, I've probably talked to somebody that's a little bit more knowledgeable at Ace. Okay, I haven't found that to be the case. So, well, it's the place for the helpful hardware person. Yeah, you would think. Uh, and that's why I took my windows in to get the uh, the uh, what was it the the mullions uh, replaced, um, and they screwed it up. I don't know. There's um yeah, well, okay, it's it's a whole long story. Okay, I, yeah. I don't, we don't need to tell the windows story right now. But so um, yeah, so 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 streaming is going to change. Uh, streaming will change the theater experience for sure. Okay. So corporate. Okay. So, so then there's all sorts of movies. I, I don't know. I don't know what movies. I mean, I, I, you know, I always, you know, I mean, I'm always looking for something that we can watch. Oh, what did I, I got Mrs. Winger to sit through something. Have we talked about the bad news bears? Did we talk no. about that last time? Mm -mm. Okay, so so the Bad News Bears, when I was a kid in the 70s, I mean, people, I mean, this this movie was like, everybody thought it was so hilarious and so, so great. Well, so Mrs. Winger and I sit down and we're going to watch it. Yeah, it wasn't, it, it wasn't that funny. And Walter Matthau plays a guy who's, kind of a sad washed up guy who used to pitch in the bigs but now he cleans pools and um he gets a job uh coaching this little league team and like he he gets uh, tatum o'neill who was just a kid to be his pitcher because she's a great pitcher but it's like the whole relationship there was he had a relationship with her mom and then like so he was like this guy in her life, but it wasn't like good between Walter Matthau and her unseen mom. And I think, I think part of the deal was, uh, it's like you, you never saw little kids swearing and smoking and drinking beer. And which, which of course they kind of did. I mean, uh, I, I don't know what grade they were supposed to be. Um, but yeah, it just, it wasn't, it wasn't hilarious. It was no smoking the bandit. I will tell you that <laughs> while, while, while revisiting these 1970s masterpieces. Um, I mean, there were, there were a couple of yucks in it, but it, overall it, it really wasn't that funny. It just kind of made me feel kind of sad, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I think I, I just think that it, for one thing, I was at a really impressionable age. And for another thing, um, it, it hadn't really been done before where you see like little kids not acting like little kids, but like who have grown up too fast. Mm -hmm. So there's like, a, there's like a kid who like ate his boogers. And then there's a kid who was always getting into fights, even though he always got beat up. He always lost. I mean, he was like this, you know, and the, the, uh, there was a fat kid who wouldn't shut up. Uh, I could have, could have done without that home movie. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> there was there was an ambiguously Jewish kid with one eyebrow 
you know. I mean, there was something for everybody, Brian. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, see, what was the deal? Um, Vic Morrow played the opposing coach and uh, their team manager, you know? And Vic Morrow was the guy who got killed on the Twilight Zone movie. So the, the, I, I never saw the Twilight Zone movie uh, that came out in the early 80s. But John Landis uh, was directing this one part. Uh, Vic Morrow and two Vietnamese kids were killed in a helicopter accident on the set. And it was kind of a big deal. Um, uh, <laughs> John Landis directed uh, American Werewolf in London, the Blues Brothers movie. I think he did Trading Places. And, okay, so there was a lawsuit about whether or not John Landis was personally accountable and liable for the death of Vic Morrow and these two uh, Vietnamese kids. I, I, don't, I think that's who died. There may have been somebody else. By the way, Jennifer Jason Lee, an actress that I have a great deal of respect for, is the daughter of Vic Morrow. Okay. So, oh, interesting. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You're not the only one who can whiteboard here. Okay. <laughs> so, John, John Landis did Trading Places with uh, Eddie Murphy and uh, Dan Aykroyd. Well, apparently, Eddie Murphy despises, despises John Landis. Really? And, yeah. Yeah. And, and so, so famously said that Vic Morrow would work with John Landis before he, Eddie Murphy, did. <laughs> uh, John Landis did Coming to America and Beverly Hills Cop 3. Well, apparently that was the one that broke the deal. Yeah. Vic Morrow will work with John Landis again before I do. Wow. Yeah. Uh, that's pretty strong. strong. Uh, he, yeah, he also did uh, uh, directed Michael Jackson's thriller video. Yes, yeah, he was a big name for a while. A lot of cocaine there. Lots, probably of, lots of cocaine. Yeah, no. Apparently, the entire Blues Brothers movie was just about that. <laughs> <laughs> Look. I I hate to uh, I hate to be you know raining all over your cherished childhood memories, but also I, the, Man the Mandrell sisters coked up. <laughs> I couldn't tell if that was a spit take or if you just threw up a little in your mouth. Um, I watched the the blues brothers when i was a kid on wgn channel two kwgn channel two out of chicago uh so it was like no so here in denver and so it was like they, they, there was probably some relationship there oh, okay um and uh it was it was obviously edited for television right okay and uh i watched it with my dad and uh he the the dubbing wasn't so great in those days and there were a couple of scenes where he said mm. she didn't say shoot there and i said i know dad <laughs> wow what <laughs> watching uh watching the blue brothers blues brothers with gary must have been like having the special features on <laughs> yeah it's it's a uh, something you don't see on a whole lot of dvds is the commentary from uh white suburban dad machinist <laughs> this is a good show <laughs> this is a good show yeah it's real short real, sh real short commentary there <laughs> uh -oh. 
Oh, that is so funny. <laughs> oh, I can't. That would be a great sketch, like a Saturday Night Live sketch or something, right? It'd be like special features. Don't mind my dog. Okay, she's just she's alerting the pack right now. The pack is me, and she is alerting me that another dog is within like three thousand feet of the house. Okay, so. Uh, uh, a spe- special features with my dad. Okay, so like obviously you and I have different, much different dads, uh, but like here's my dad watching, watching Law and Order. Okay, that is a clear violation of of their right to counsel. Would he would he he probably comment on Jerry Orbach being a national treasure too, right? About about who being a national treasure? Jerry Orbach. I'm sure he would. Yeah. Dad, dad, uh, dad um, likes a likes a likes a musical theater as much as anyone in his demographic. Yeah. Um, but what we might uh, what we might see is. Um, it's like, <laughs> No, I'm trying. I'm trying to. I'm trying to think of uh, a, a movie. I, I don't know. Well, we can, we just have this could be like a, a running feature. Um, special features with my dad. Hey, this isn't this thing with my dog. Isn't uh, it's not a problem right now, is it? I can barely hear it. <laughs> okay, she's a good girl. Uh, one of my favorite uh, comments from my dad while watching a movie is that uh, my older brother and I, we were watching um, a movie that came out in the late 80s um, that was that was PG-13. And back then, PG-13 movies could had a little bit more flexibility than they do these days. Is that and, right? Uh, yeah, because I saw something in that PG-13 movie that I've never seen in any other PG-13 movie. What movie was it? <laughs> the Race. Charlie Sheen. <laughs> the only thing I remember about that movie is John Lovitz when he like ends up like doing like the Hitler thing. That was so funny. That was so funny to me. Okay, go ahead. So, so there's there's a there's a there's a love scene in this movie, and oh. and my the commentary from my dad is, "You sure you're supposed to be watching this?" <laughs> Well, I've mentioned before how watching 16 Candles, yeah, okay, which isn't rated R, so I don't know. It's PG or PG-13, I guess. I don't know. I really don't know when the PG-13 um, designation was introduced by the MAA, PCAA, uh, whatever. That, that, yeah, that's a real interesting story. It was because of uh, the Temple of Doom. Seriously? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, it initially, and we okay, could well, do let, some, let me just tell my story. Yeah, go ahead. And then yeah. You promise that this is a really interesting story. I'd like to hear it from you. Um, but, uh, oh, in 16 Candles, uh, you see Boozies, um, which I was surprised by because uh, I didn't know that you could see Boozies. But there they were. It was really fast, but there they were. Okay, yeah. uh, so how did PG-13 come into modern use um temple of doom indiana jones and the temple of doom was released or was was made and then it went to the mpaa for for a rating and they okay, initially and that, was, came, that was 1984 mm-hmm. and it initially came back with an r rating because of some of the violence m- uh, violence, some of the mystic stuff, and then the you know the, I guess they were like eating monkey brains and and things like this, and they they felt that it was it was just too graphic for a PG movie. Okay. And so Steven Spielberg, his his proposal was let's let's come up with something that's in between PG and R. Wow. And so they they kind of pushed that through. Yeah. 
No kidding. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Okay. It would take somebody. It, that yeah. Was that's, the, 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 <laughs> that's exactly what I was about to say is that, yeah. you know, it, it's, uh, yeah, I don't, my understanding about the MPA is that they are inflexible and, you know, get to do whatever they want. Um, but I'm sure that the studio had his back says, if this gets an R rating, it's no, nobody's going to see it. You know, the, the, uh, the other Indiana Jones movie was a huge hit and was rated PG. We need to keep riding on that wave. Huh. That's interesting. Okay. Okay. Um, you know, actually, I remember, of course, this is, this shows how, um, What's the trans? It's it, it shows how things. Um, there was an old Doobie Brothers album uh, that's like um, it was titled uh, "What Were Once Vices Are Now Habits," uh, and um, you know you get used to things. But I I remember seeing uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, and there's a scene where he shoots through like four guys who are like standing in front of each other and the bullet goes through one guy and then goes through the next guy and the next guy and the next guy. Uh, and it was, just, I was, I was actually a little shocked at how violent it was. And mm-hmm. I, I, I suppose you'd have to say that while flipping through channels, I have once or twice alighted upon something more violent than that. Um, I remember my old, my old buddy, Joe, who had been in Vietnam, uh, saw Terminator 2. And, you know, look, Joe was kind of a tormented guy, you know, and he, you know, I was just kind of concerned that maybe he shouldn't be feeding him his mind, uh, his spirit, if you want, if you will, um, violent imagery. And, mm-hmm. and when I said as much to him, he said, oh, <laughs> If you shoot the Terminator, the hole just grows back. That don't happen in real life. <laughs> it's well, funny that it's funny that some yeah, that, that he can have that kind of I mean awareness and this is a guy who's seen some things, right? That's right. Yeah. What I thought was interesting, okay, so you know, at, at the risk of being too much of a Denver centric uh podcast oh come on we we, come on we we talked about the continental for 30 seconds which which at least five of our listeners are going to know about uh there was a long time uh columnist in one of the denver papers named gene amel and he was a world war ii vet and I remember reading his column when Saving Private Ryan came out. And he was like, thanks, but no thanks. I was there, and I don't need to see it again. Thank you very mm-hmm. much. And so he, he was an old man. He was in, uh, you know, uh, full faculties. He was still writing for a living and so, so forth. And he just, he, he made a conscientious choice not to relive that, um, that day of days. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, and, 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 and I, you know, I, I don't know. Um, there is like, I remember reading a review of the Sopranos uh, that said that as the, as the show went on, it just became a way for like frustrated suburban guys to like, relieve their id you know their their Mm -hmm. the the animalistic freudian part of their personality so watching tony soprano um humiliate and beat up and you know kill somebody who probably deserved it (laughs) there's that great scene in mickey blue eyes where um the mob boss. Okay, so so Hugh Grant is dating the exquisite Gene Triplehorn. 
everyone agrees. I, I don't know anyone who doesn't love Jean Triplehorn. I, mm-hmm. I, I don't know why she's. Um, so then her father is Burt Young, who's a mob boss. No, no, her father is James Kahn, who works for Burt Young, who's like the uncle or something. So Gina is, um, so, so he meets the family. Hugh Grant is, plays a awkward, uptight, charming British guy. So obviously it's a real stretch for him. And um, he, meets the, he meets the family and there were like some shootings at Gina's school. And then they're like looking and like uh, Burt Young's son had painted this ghastly um, picture like, like bad Salvador Dali, which has like angels as mobsters and there's like dead people all over the place and everything. And, and uh, this is, uh, and, and so, so Burt Young turns to uh, Hugh Grant and says, so what do you, what do you think of the killings? He says, well, I can't say that I really approve of them, but uh, from what I understand, they are m- mostly people who, deserve it so i understand and then james Kahn comes in he says um i think he was asking about the uh the killings at gene near gina's school and ukraine goes oh 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 i'm against them (laughs) yeah it's funny it's funny i'll have to watch that again it's been a long time since i've seen it and I know I mean, it's, it's cheesy, but I thought it was it, hilarious. Yeah. Some people yeah. hate, a lot of people hated it, but I, I thought it was funny. It's got James Kahn, Gene Triplehorn, and Hugh Grant. I mean, three pretty good, good people. I wouldn't, you know, watch him for, for an hour and a half. Do you, do you remember? So James Kahn owns a restaurant called the La Tratiora. <laughs> and, I don't remember Hugh, that. Hugh Grant says, you know, that means the the tratati or, or or whatever the name of the place was yeah yeah he knows but so anyway yeah it's funny i should re- i should rewatch that too it's not on any of the oh well that's the other thing about seeing movies in the theater you know i mean probably if it was important to me um and we should probably wrap this up then because uh, i know you've got a million dollars to make um uh with all the money that I'm spending on <laughs> streaming services, I could easily uh, go to at least two and possibly three movies uh, uh, a, a week or a month, yeah. a month. So if that were the case, then I'm just the sort of guy who doesn't like to leave the house once he's home from work, just wants to stay put tomorrow's another day I got it and I got things to do so mm-hmm. you know I don't I you know I think a lot of times it's kids who go out to the movies okay fine it's something the younger people do uh I, you know you know a dinner and a show is a nice thing to do if you're an old married couple um but the, if theaters say the number of screens in the country are are cut in half and everybody's just watching stuff in their home that's going to have not just economic effects but also social effects don't you don't you think yeah i do think Uh, i i don't know that i i necessarily go to the movies and like run into people i know or i certainly like i've never met a friend at a place like this oh here's a guy i met at the bronco at, at the football game See mm-hmm. again, the the Denver centricness of this podcast is is out of hand. Here's a guy I met at the basketball game. You know, now we're buddies. We're gonna go fishing. You know, I mean, I don't know. My life certainly doesn't go like that. I mean, I like strangers fine. I mean, I might help him jumpstart his car, but I'm not necessarily I'm not gonna go fishing with the guy. I'm not driving him to the airport. <laughs> Is that from something? It's from Seinfeld, where Keith Hernandez, the Mets player, gets involved with with the gang, and somebody might have been Kramer. Kramer's like, "What, what are you doing? What, what, 
what's up with you guys? You're doing stuff all the time. You, next thing you know, you're going to be driving him to the airport. And Jerry's like, I'm not driving him to the airport. <laughs> wasn't, wasn't Keith Hernandez in the JFK one? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this- he, yeah, I think he was in probably like, like three or four consecutive episodes. That's funny. And he was, he was dating Elaine for a little while. And uh, Okay. So profound economic. Okay. So if there's limited, if there's limited um, screens, then that means Hollywood is only going to make a certain type of movie. You could be, you could argue that they are anyway, Mm -hmm. by the way, by the way, I would like the record to show that I finally at the urging of my young friend, Tyler, um, that I, uh, watched, uh, finished watching uh, the miniseries Loki on Disney Plus. Now I know you've got problems, okay? But can I just say I liked Loki. I thought it was good, and anyone who sees it as some trans fable is crazy. But what it really does is it allows Marvel to start over. They get a big do over, and now they can have the X-Men and the Fantastic Four and all the Sony properties and all the other characters come together and, and they get a great cosmic do-over. Payday. Yeah, so they can do it again <laughs> for the next 10 years. Yeah. But, except, except, you know, and so like if Chris Hemsworth is down to play Thor, then he's gonna, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, whereas if Robert Downey Jr. wants to take his whatever $40 billion that he's made playing Iron Man and never make another movie, uh, and who would blame him? Uh, he, uh, I just say, well, wish you a lot of success finding somebody as charming as Robert Downey Jr. to play Iron Man. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, but it, but it allows like this great trans-dimensional mashup so that they can like have a new Iron Man and keep the same Thor, keep the... In fact, somebody told me that in the next Spider-Man movie, they were going to bring in um, Tommy, Toby McGuire and Andrew Garfield and the new kid, Tom Holland. Is that his name? Hmm. Yeah. Um, but by the way, I thought Garfield was better than Tobey Maguire, and I think Holland is better than Garfield. So they just keep getting better. I cannot wait for the next Spider-Man, who's just going to yeah. be up. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, I I I don't know that I'll be down with. Uh, I, I may. I don't know. Maybe at this point. All right. Great. My childhood dreams are fulfilled in Disney. And now I should be done with superhero movies. I, uh, a guy I used to work with had a really good tweet um, that he said, uh, these superhero movies are just sparkly Westerns. And I think that's totally true. Totally true. Did you, did you watch any of the Mandalorian? Uh, I started to, but I didn't like it. I, I, I just, no, I didn't, I didn't. I don't know. I think I watched it until like Baby Yoda made like the big elephant creature float and fall down or fall asleep or something. Does that sound familiar? Does that sound like something that happened? Yeah, I didn't fall asleep. <laughs> okay. I don't know. Uh, so uh, the reason why I say that is because that's what a lot of people have said that it's 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 a western. It's it's yeah. it's a western that uh like you said it's sparkly but in it's in a similar way they've been able to expand on the star wars universe by introducing adjacent characters um and uh, can just keep riding that milking that cash cow uh, as long as they want yeah i, I just I, I like i don't know like I, well for one thing i like Real West. I mean, I like good westerns. There are I don't I don't just like love anything with a cowboy and a horse. You know, I mean, there's a lot of bad ones because um, they were making them 
you know, th three a week for, you know, three, three decades. Did you, did you speak in Westerns? Did you see the trailer for Clint Eastwood's new, new movie coming out? This has got to be a joke. This is, it's uh, not, it's not a joke. No. It's not a joke. It's, 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 it's called, it's called cry macho. And uh, the trailer, I mean, it looks, it looks kind of interesting. Um, and listen, all due respect to Clint Eastwood, but it looks like they've got him propped up with a couple of broomsticks and then uh, somebody moving his mouth and just like. <laughs> Dude, he's pushing 90 years old. Yeah. Dude, he doesn't look a day over 98. <laughs> well, the problem there is he's kept the weight off so well that now he's yeah. just like all gone. It, yeah, it looks it looks kind of interesting, but um, it looks like he's. Uh, and maybe that's the story. He's maybe it's the, that's part of the story. Is the older guy who's just struggling to get through. But man, it looks. Did looks you see rough. that? Apparently, Robert Redford. I I thought Robert Redford's swan song. His last movie was going to be that seafaring movie. All is lost. Did you ever see that? I didn't see All is Lost, but I've I wanted to, um, and I heard that it was good. It was good. It was good. Uh, I think you could quibble about the ending. Uh, but it was an interesting movie to see a guy on his own. I mean, and just, and it not be totally boring. But I mean, it's like, essentially, if you're, if you're by yourself, even if you talk to yourself a little bit, mostly like, like I do, like, and I'll say stuff like, you idiot, you know, that sort of stuff to myself. Um, uh, yeah. Even if you talk to yourself, you don't talk to yourself as much as you would talk to somebody else, right? Mm -hmm. So a movie, and you and I have said before, that was what made Harrison Ford's um, performance in The Fugitive really strong, is that a lot of the scenes with Harrison Ford was him by himself. So like mm -hmm. when he was, I mean, when he looked scared, he, he looked scared the way a guy by himself would look scared. And so, or, you know, so anyway, um, you know, you don't get that sort of interaction. You know, you're just you're just just performing from inside yourself. And I thought Robert Redford did that, but he was also in some old man who robs banks movie. Did you see that? I did see that. Is that any good? It was okay. Yeah, it was it was pretty good. So nothing's gonna dislodge Jeremiah Johnson from the number one spot of Robert Redford movies. <laughs> Um, everyone, Brian just acted out the meme of, uh, Jeremiah Johnson turning into the, looking at the camera and giving an approving, an approving nod. I, uh, Farewell, <clears throat> um, I loved Jeremiah Johnson so much when I was a kid, I probably watched that movie 25 times. I'm sure that's true. Uh, I kind of, okay. So what we didn't get a chance to talk about was the new Wildflowers album, Wallflowers album. The new Wallflower album is uh, Exit Wounds. And I really want to talk about Jacob Dylan next time because this guy is so much better than I thought. I mean, I, I mean, he's, he's been at it for 25 years. Well, for, well, for over 30 years, but I mean, since uh, bringing down the horse, like 25 years ago it's great i can't believe that <clears throat> that's hard to believe that it's been that long but yeah so we put he's put out a new record that no one will buy and everyone will stream and he'll hardly make any money for it and that's how that goes and that gets us back to scarlett johansson and uh christopher nolan and uh so here's to all those uh artistic schleps who uh are just just trying to get along in life like Scarjo and Chris Snow and Jake, Jake Dill. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, that's, it. that's it for today. Thank you for listening to the Managing Expectations podcast. I'm Jeff Winger. This is on behalf of uh, myself and Brian Grimm. Uh, peace and love. <laughs>